0: good morning everybody and uh, today we're going to continue our study of the book of Acts about uh, chapter 10 and uh, it's an interesting picture up there Uh, you know our son Caleb is in Israel this has been in Israel this week um, presenting his research at a conference there and uh, so uh, and he's uh, going back to England tomorrow I think so if you could pray for his trip that would be great um, but on Friday morning he texted us this picture and I was like wow I mean just this picture no other pictures and evidently he was in Joppa which is called Jaffa now and it's a suburb of Tel Aviv I think and uh, this supposedly is the site of, of the house of Simon the Tanner I said wow I'm preaching about that on Sunday. So, um, yeah, so uh, this message is called The New Temple Plan Unfolds. And when I'm talking about a temple, I'm talking about a bigger temple than the one that, is, uh, that was in Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, the kind of temple God originally wanted. And uh, <clears throat> I brought something with me this morning. Uh, When I was thinking about God building a temple, can you guess what's in here? It's not that I'm hoping my, uh, well, you could, you could make a lot of things out of this. You know what's in there, Matthew? What's in there? He knew it. I got about 50 pounds of Legos here. Ooh. Anybody want some? Oh, Just kidding. No, 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 I was kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> you have to talk to Michael about that. But uh, but you can always come over to our house and play with them because we've got about four huge drawers full of them. And uh, some of them are real Legos. So when our kids grew up in China, and uh, Legos are really pricey there, kind of pricey here too, but even more pricey there. And uh, but they had off-brands that were pretty decent. One was called Brick, right? Uh, There were a couple other brands. And they they all work together. So most of these in here, some of these are real Legos and uh some of a lot of them are are brick or other off brand Legos, but they we we brought about i'm saying three whole suitcases full of Legos back from China in twenty twelve um Kathy disagrees, but we had like ten or eleven suitcases, and a lot of them were Legos because We didn't want to leave all our kids' toys behind. We thought that was important. It was important to bring that stuff, and uh, so there's a big mixture. But since they've been back, you know, these are a lot of these were sets originally, different different kinds of things, and now there it's just a hodgepodge, a mixture. They've been living in our basement. Lots and lots of kids have come and played with them frequently, and uh, they've been. Uh, well used. Um, those aren't the only Lego- Legos that we have. In fact, um, there are some that are living uh, in Michael's room, and I think we've got in other places. Like this is the nice the nice ones. But Michael's still known to buy sets of Legos occasionally, right? And the nice ones live in his room, and they are intact, and they are put together. If we tried to put together all the other sets, it would be difficult, right? I've heard Matthew Moder went, went through and did that with all his LEGOs, which might be more than Michael's. But um, why am I talking about LEGOs? Because when I think about LEGOs and the off-brands, um, I think about the church and Israel and the Gentiles, which is what Acts 10 is about today. And, and I'm thinking this. What if Lego master builder Michael returned from college and found all the Legos and all the off-brands, gathered them up from the corners of our basement and everywhere else in our house that they might be, and used all of them to put together to build some kind of gigantic, fantastic, architectural entity, some kind of structure, using, using all of them. And not just randomly stuck together, but, but like something that looked like it came from a gigantic box, right? Something that was planned to be that way from the beginning. Uh, that would be amazing. That seems impossible, right? Uh, but let me tell you, that is what the Bible, the story in the Bible is saying was God's plan for humanity. And the Legos are kind of like Israel. And the off brands, maybe we could compare it to all the other Gentile nations. Um, you know, each of us, that, that's what God has is in the process of doing with humanity. Each of us has been chosen to be part of his master plan, which has been in the works from the beginning of time. Do we understand what that means? And I mean, so like, you might be like this. What color is this? Brown? Green? Anyway, you might might be like this, but this is important. This is chosen by God. You might be this this one like this cool window round thing or you might be this pink archy thing, okay? But each of us you know you notice they're all different, right? You notice they are not the same. But if they came in a set, and God made the world as a big set of people, right? They all have a important purpose and um, let me read about it in 1st Peter chapter 2 starting at verse 4 and 5 it says as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then skipping, it talks about this. He, he was the stone that the builders rejected. Skipping to verse 9, it says, but you are a chosen people, chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. This is language that was used to talk about Israel, right? But now we are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. The people of God. You you belong to him. Once you had not received mercy, But now you have received mercy. Hallelujah. That's a good place to shout, Warren would say, right? So we are are his body, and he is building us corporately into a temple. You know, we know it says your body is the temple. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Like we were cleansed by the blood of Jesus so that the Holy Spirit could dwell within each of us, right? Within you, within me but it's also using a language that we all are built into a body to be dwelt in by god through his spirit like we are building blocks of the temple the ultimate goal that god has for for the humans he created and uh, this is the heart of the account in acts 10 that we're looking at today because in that god was Interacting a very huge step in this process because, in linking Peter with Cornelius and his household, God was uh, locking together, so to speak, uh, you know, two of the, the, the Gentiles with his people Israel. He was, he was making it clear. He was giving revelation. Hey, th- this, my people, this is my plan. And I, they, they needed a little uh, motivation, a little drawing together to understand that and to start living it out. And uh, all under the headship, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Before this, the Jews and the Gentiles were mostly separate. And uh, since the dividing of the nations, remember the Tower of Babel, and we, we went through and talked about that in our series about Pentecost, that God chose Israel, not because he liked them better than any other people, not that he didn't love the other nations of the world. When God divided the nations at Babel into different languages, God then raised up Abraham and he said, this one's going to be mine. I'm going to rule directly. The other ones, he delegated to angelic authorities that he put, set over them, angelic servants. And sometimes in the Bible, it's referred to divine counsel. But God was not directly being king over those peoples. He's the king of all, right? Don't get me wrong. But he was ruling politically over Israel. And he was ruling uh, religiously over Israel. And uh, because Israel was his, Abraham's family was his chosen vessel, his chosen nation, uh, to bring salvation back to the whole world. And to bring, uh, the ultimate goal was to preserve his ways, to show they were to be a peculiar people set apart and different from everybody else because they followed him. And uh, that didn't exclude Gentiles from believing in the true God. It didn't exclude them from being saved because they had the same opportunity to worship the true God as everybody else, um, as the Israelites did. But this was God's vehicle, his chosen possession. And... uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called, quote, uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Kind of a weird nickname to give to yourself. Um, But uh, that was really important to Israel. That was their identity which is done in the body by human hands. In other words, it's just a physical sign. It's not a spiritual reality, physical circumcision. Uh, Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. And I believe God they were accessible to God. We see people that that were um, brought into Israel. Ruth is an example, right? And there were others. That was possible. And that doesn't mean that God could not be found by the Gentiles, right? But uh, as a group, they were outside of God's uh, direct authority. And uh, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away once far away, have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. How? By being circumcised? By not eating certain foods? Those things were all commanded for Israel to set them apart and make them a peculiar people. Um, By the commandments, those were given to Israel, the Ten Commandments. But obeying the Ten Commandments never brought Israel close to God. It was the blood of Jesus. And it's the same for us. For he himself is our peace. That is, the peace between each other. Between Jew and Gentile. Who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There, there was a dividing wall of hostility between Jews and, Greek, and uh Gentiles, um, even at the, t- at the time of Jesus, uh, they, didn't, they didn't like each other. Uh, and there were, they were told to keep separate from each other. And he did this by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross so i appreciate this morning that we prayed for the nation of israel uh, but through jesus christ god has cut that dividing wall and has set us together and i believe we should pray for them because they need to come back to they need to come to christ and god talks about them in in you know, Revelation, that, that, that that's important. But understand this, that the spiritual reality is that the children of Abraham are the ones who have faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, he put to death their hostility. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And that's why we talk about the Holy Spirit and God pouring out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is such a big deal. I mean, the cross was important. The resurrection was very important. But the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on God's people was the the goal of the cross and the resurrection to make us vessels that can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but ultimately to build us corporately into a vessel filled by God through the Holy Spirit, and uh, His King being His family, His kingdom, one entity. And I, you know, I understand why people. We always say, "Have you, have you ever asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior?" But you understand the Bible. The Bible does not use that phrase over and over, personal Lord and Savior. Um, because it mean, it's, we're emphasizing every person needs to have faith in Jesus and come to him as Lord and Savior. But what I'm saying is, is we are not just walking around as individuals in God's kingdom. God looks at us as a people. He, his purpose is to bind us together. His kingdom... It's not meant to look like that. His kingdom, he is building us together in unity. So we've talked a lot about unity in our church, unity in the body of Christ. And it's important because God wants us to be a family. God wants us to be one temple, holy. And, uh, and so how do, what does that mean to us? Each of us was chosen We were chosen to be part of a thing bigger than we are with a unique function in that body, in that family, in that temple, in that kingdom. You understand what I'm saying here? I'm not saying saying individuals aren't important. But but to God, we are not just individuals. And what does that mean for us? Um, And here in Acts 10 he is taking down the biggest wall that was separating. The biggest wall that was separating was saying, was in the past, that he had said, these are not my peoples, you are my people. And now he's saying, and now the Messiah has come and opened the door for all people to be built into the people that I really have been, uh, I, I really have chosen from before the foundation of the world. That's what we are. What does that mean? So, verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I'm not an expert, but the apostles sounds like New Testament prophets. There are New Testament prophets, but when you talk about the prophets, we're also talking about Um, the Old Testament laws, right? Old Testament Israel. That's the foundation that we are being built upon. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That's the same imagery that Peter was writing about in the other passage, right? That this is what God is building through his church. So when we say the church, we're not talking about this building, or some other buildings in Jefferson County or around the world, we are talking, and we're not just talking about congregations, like different groups of Christians. We are talking about all of God's people, the church with a capital C. And uh, He is, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. And to be sure, there are a lot of pieces in the world. I'm talking about humans. God is not interested in any of them being left out of his building. I don't know how that works <laughs> about who, you know, who eventually does not come to Christ and be saved. But all I know is God want God wants all to be saved. It says that in Peter. And so it's important that we build his kingdom that we share the gospel. Uh, we have been made a certain way to play a certain role in the building of his kingdom, this holy temple. Uh, so Jesus so Jesus came. He has come. He's redeemed all humanity at the cross. And he sent his apostles and the growing church out to make disciples of all nations. We are indeed a royal priesthood. Priest goes between God and man, right? And so we are a royal priesthood. That's describing us making disciples and evangelizing and building God's kingdom here on earth, right? That's what a priest functions, to go between God and people. And he's given us that assignment. Uh, Even though that had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament, the the early church still didn't fully understand that this was all f- for Gentiles, not just Jews and people who converted to Judaism. And so, uh, you know, and we understand why since the time of Moses, actually probably since some ways since the time of Abraham, God had been separating Israel out to be holy and different from the rest of the nations he gave them the Ten Commandments to show him show us his righteous ways right the, the, the Gentiles did not get the Ten Commandments uh, he gave them though lots of other rules too to make them different to set them apart uh, in order to remain clean before God and the community they had to eat only certain foods. Today we call them kosher, right? And uh, you can find that list in Leviticus chapter 11. Uh, Basically land animals with divided hooves that chew the cud and sea creatures that have fins and scales, birds that are not birds of prey or scavengers, flying creatures uh, besides flying insects that have jointed legs above their feet for hopping on the ground. Such as the locusts, the katydid, crickets, and grasshoppers, you can eat those. So, you want to follow Jewish food laws? Go out and eat a grasshopper when you're done here. Um, you can do it. But if you want to go out and eat something else, uh, I would suggest you can. Um, they couldn't enter the houses of Gentiles, and uh, they couldn't touch dead things, they would be unclean. They had to cleanse themselves from any kind of bodily fluids that they touched. I don't know what they did if they had allergies. <laughs> but <clears throat> their males had to be circumcised. And uh, all these things made the Jews different from the peoples around them. And in many ways, they were offensive to the people around them. Okay, They were different and that made them offensive. Okay, If somebody doesn't won't go into your house or your business, that would be offensive, right? Uh, and uh, you know if some people are if your workers are saying, "Well, we've got to take uh, the seventh day off every week, that might be offensive to to your boss, who's a Gentile. Um, if they won't uh, participate in the parties at your temple with you, that's no fun. If they won't buy your idols, they're not contributing to the economy. I'm talking about the Jews were dispersed into all the world by that time, by the time of the early church. And so there were Jews in every Gentile city. And uh, and, and even, you know, the Jewish guys would look different in the gymnasium because, like, uh, I won't get into that, but... Um, you know, they were different and they would be offensive. On the other hand, the Gentiles were offensive to the Jews because you've been conditioned to say, uh, you are immoral and you are unclean. Okay. So when God is bringing the church together, there is a stumbling block to get over. There's an obstacle that needs to be taken out of the way in the minds and beliefs, attitudes, of the early Christians. And that's what uh, God is doing in Acts chapter 10. He's, he's revealing stuff about this. Uh, it's the hostility that Paul was writing about to the Ephesians. He's telling them, Christ has broken down that dividing wall of hostility in creating the church, which is his body, his family. So, unity is to be a hallmark of God's people. And, you know, we don't have problems with Gentiles today. We're not in that. But you know what? Unity is in a very important thing for us and God's people. And it doesn't always reveal itself just in, like, you know, are you circumcised or uncircumcised? Are you eating this food or not eating this food? Uh, are you are you celebrating this festival or not celebrating this festival? Uh But it does actually come up in some of those things. And it also comes up in some other things uh, that Paul calls um, disputable matters. And, uh, you know, you could, you know, what are disputable matters? Those are matters that are not about righteousness, they're not about salvation, they're not about the way to be saved. Uh, There's all kinds of disputable matters, it might be how the church spends its money the congregation spends its money. It might be on the style of leadership. It might be on the style of sermons. It might be on the style of music. And these things are disputable matters that unity needs to get over when we are God's people. God is fitting us together and binding us together in unity. It's clear in these passages that this is his work. And so what's our role? Our role is to yield to it. And he's equipping us with all his various giftings and functions to be the body he wants us to be. Um, Jews felt like, if I, but if I start, stop doing these laws, all these laws in the Old Testament, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, you know. The New Testament is full of laws, and you find that like the Ten Commandments they last right the commandments about food those got nullified by Jesus and through the, through revelation to the apostles like those those are set aside um, but the Jews felt like if I don't keep doing all of these things, even the external things, even the ceremonial things, even some of the political things, if I don't keep doing those i I'm denying my identity. I'm denying that I belong to God if I do those things. There was a lot of confusion in the early church about what does this mean, right? And uh, so some of them, they looked at the Gentiles, they were saying, great, Gentiles can be saved. Now they need to be circumcised. Now they need to start following all those laws in the Old Testament. That's what they were thinking. Like They need to convert to Judaism so they can be part of Christ. And what Paul is saying and what Peter's being shown is, you know what, no, not all of that. Um, And so that's the setting for Peter's vision and his subsequent meeting with Cornelius and his household. God's giving further revelation of his plan to Peter. And so I'll just read verses 13 to 20 from Acts 10. Again, it says, Then a voice told Peter, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. I mean, they do say, like, you eat a certain number of spiders and bugs while you're sleeping at night, so I'm not sure if he can really be honest about that, but. Um, no. Do, do you see his reaction? He's like, How can this be? And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And that's the key there. How has God made things clean? Through Jesus Christ, right? And this happened three times, and immediately the the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So we see here again the importance of being led by the Holy Spirit. right? So the vision that God gave Peter and now the Holy Spirit speaking more to him. Thing. This is what you need to do. And Peter was attentive to that. So, uh, and Peter recognized the, the Spirit is speaking, and to his credit, he submitted to what the Spirit was saying. And uh, the Gentiles were welcome in the body of Christ. And he had uh, a question here was he also saying that the Old Testament food restrictions no longer applied when he said, kill and eat all these animals? You know, I don't know, bears or. Uh, was he, uh, you know, is it okay to eat bacon? Catfish? Catfish don't have scales, right? Shrimp? Uh, or a rabbit? Or a tarantula? Or a cat? Or a bald eagle? Well, you can't eat a bald eagle. That's illegal, right? Uh, I don't eat shrimp because last time I ate shrimp, twice. it made me sick. So, uh, But... Can we eat those? Is it is it moral to do that? Um, it It's popular sometimes nowadays to say, well, we should follow those Old Testament food regulations because God meant them for health reasons. But I would suggest that is not why God put them in the Bible. Maybe they're good for you, maybe not, I don't know. But that's, that's not the purpose God had behind those food restrictions was to give us better health. Maybe that's a byproduct, I don't know. But what does Jesus say about it? That's the question. So look at Mark 7, starting at verse 14. Again, Jesus called to the crowd and said to him, uh, called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Defile means sully, mar, or spoil, make them dirty, spiritually unclean, he's talking about rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them after he had left the crowd and entered the house his disciples asked him about this parable are you so dull he asked sometimes jesus is not the way he's portrayed in our culture all the time sometimes he's a little more blunt Um, are you still so dull he asked don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. So look at this parenthesis. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. That probably should end all debate about it right? right there in the Word of God. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Okay, so Jesus is saying, hey, these things that set you apart, those are important. These are what defile a person. But actually, those are coming out from within you. If they're within you and you let them come out, you're defiling yourself. Okay? So he's not yeah, he's not throwing out certain parts of the law. He's not saying, do whatever you want, act, have whatever attitude you want, it's okay. Jesus is not saying that. But he's saying, you know what? Food restrictions, those were symbolic. They're they're not going to defile you. Um Paul also had many things to say about Old Testament food laws, circumcision, and other rules. He got really angry, actually, a lot of pla- a number of places in the New Testament, because people called Judaizers, that's what we call them, were going around and, and telling new converts, you have to follow all of these Old Testament restrictions if you want to come to Christ. You have to be circumcised. You have to change your diet. You have to uh, stop, you know do it you have to do all those things paul got extremely mad about that and wrote a lot of things read the whole book of galatians uh what we uh read uh, romans chapter 14 uh he got really mad at those people why because they were getting people do we need to trust in that or do we trust in jesus christ for our salvation and him alone basically that's why paul was so angry and uh And so, Paul wrote about this too. I'll read from 1 Timothy chapter 4, the first five verses. He says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars. You know, he's not not being real soft here whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated, that means set apart for God, by the word of God, and prayer that's why we have the tradition of praying before we eat we give thanks and we consecrate what we're going to eat uh, to God and that's that's an important thing and something's really happening there when we do that like it is it is made clean for us and uh, Peter Lightheart somebody we've quoted before wrote an article called you are what quote animal you eat making sense of the Bible's dietary laws. He talked about the purpose of those laws in this article. I want to read a section of it. He says, eating isn't the same as fueling. Eating is incorporation. In other words, taking it in and making it a part of yourself. To eat is to become one body with what we eat and with our table companions. What we put into our bodies Becomes one with us. Our table companions become members of a corporate body. It makes you think of the Lord's Supper, right? Of communion. Israel is called to be a separate people. They exist to serve the Gentiles, to bring Yahweh's blessing to the world, and to light the nations. But to be light, they need to avoid communion with darkness. They keep the food laws to maintain the God-given wall between Jews and Gentiles. Israel is prohibited from eating animals with serpentine features to train them to avoid communion at the table of demons. They aren't to incorporate unclean meat so that they'll learn to avoid unclean people. Let me interrupt for a second. So, So in other words, Uh, God is destroying the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, right? He's not... He's destroying the divider between peoples. He's not destroying the purpose, which was so that Israel, which we are now Israel, we are children of Abraham, we are still to be servants to those outside of the kingdom, to bring them in. And we are still to be different from the world from this unbelieving world amen and we are still um, to walk in righteousness god still wants us to do that we are still to bring light to the world and not darkness right and uh, so peter lightheart continues jesus fulfills the law but torah is still god's instruction to us we can eat anything but we're still under food restrictions of a sort. The New Testament's food laws don't have to do with what we eat. They concern where we eat and especially with whom. Paul commands us to avoid the table of demons. We aren't to have communion with the works of darkness, nor share bread, keep company, uh, at the table of the wicked." This is what Israel's food laws always aimed at. They ritualized a perpetual Pauline warning. In other words, a warning from the, the Apostle Paul gives, which was, bad company corrupts good morals. That's from 1 Corinthians 15.33. So to be holy and set apart as New Testament believers is to be cleansed by... Quiz. To be holy in the New Testament is because we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, amen? Not by what we eat or don't eat, not even by our own behavior because we couldn't do that, right? And uh, it's only God who can do this. Uh, God's temple will be holy and not defiled And so the New Testament is full of passages about our need to walk in loving unity with our believing brothers and sisters and also to love God by living in an obedient way that pleases Him. And remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So in Romans 14, Paul urges the believers not to quarrel or judge each other over disputable matters like foods or special days. Starting at verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. In other words, if, it, if you, your conscience, don't go against your conscience. If, if, you, if your conscience says, don't do that, don't eat it, then don't. You'd be sinning against your conscience. That's not faith if you're doing what you believe is wrong to do. And uh, <clears throat> if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Like for, Let me take an example. If I think it's fine to drink beer after work, and uh, my brother or sister is over at my house, and and they believe otherwise, I should not pull out the beer when he comes over, right? Okay? Uh, Why? Because I don't want to hurt my brother. I don't want to hurt my brother or sister's faith by saying, well, I've, I've got freedom to do that in Christ. But if I'm... I'm sinning against my brother or sister if I use that freedom to hurt their, their faith, to confuse them. It, it says, Then you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God, I love this verse, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. You know, it may not be that we're worried about eating pork or spiders or whatever. It might be that we're just putting a lot of emphasis on food. This food's bad for you. Avoid this. Oh, you should be eating all these good foods. You know, In our society, all the chemicals we have and everything. But you know what? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So in other words, we need to keep everything in perspective, I think. right? Because uh, God says, actually, the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is pleasing to God. Previously in that same chapter, he makes this incredible statement, verses three and four. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Listen to this. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Okay, so we're not just talking about eating pork here right now. There's a lot of other things that are disputable matters that he's saying we should not judge each other about, because each of us actually is an individual servant of God, but we are also corporate. And so, corporately, we don't want to harm the other individual who's serving God because God is his God, too, or her God. And God is very interested in that person being successful. Is there a time that God will call us in love to go and say, hey, what you're doing is sinful? Yeah. As long as we get the plank out of our own eye first. And as long as we're doing it in love. But if we're doing it because we want to get our agenda or we want to convince people to follow our way, then that may be the wrong motive. And so what kind, the things that tend to divide us, whether it's in this congregation or in the body of Christ as a whole, we need to take a very careful look at and say, is this something that Christ would want us to be divided about? Maybe it is. Now, there's some things that are important, right? But there's a lot of things that maybe aren't. And, uh, and so, but maybe we need to have confidence that the same God that we serve is the God that they serve and he's able to make them stand. Because it's after all his righteousness, not their own or our own, that makes us right with him. And so do you see how we treat our brothers and sisters and whether we're serving God with faith and with a good conscience are what the Lord truly cares about in us. All right, so let me get to another part. With this in mind, keep in mind that following Christ will still be offensive and countercultural to the unbelieving world around us. I think we see that illustrated in one particular way this weekend, right? But there are other ways. I mean, we are going to be offensive to the world. There still is a dividing wall of hostility. Uh, It should be love from our end, but there's going to be hostility pointed at us who are in Christ. Uh, You know, Jewish rules offended the Gentiles in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, preaching that Jesus is the only way offends the world. That is something we should not compromise, but we should be prepared to be opposed sometimes by. But we need to do it. Preaching the cross. The cross is offensive to the world. What else is offensive to the world? The resurrection from the dead is foolish and offensive to the world. Along with every other kind of supernatural miracle that God wants to do. What else is offensive to the unbelieving world? Not joining them in the sinful things that they like to do. Is going to be offensive and we need to have the courage to not join in we need to have the wisdom to not join in things that are ungodly in the world that doesn't mean that we shouldn't hang out with unbelievers we have to to spread the gospel to them right but there's a difference between going to them and being corporate with them and that's going back to what peter Lighthart was saying about food laws right We don't want to become one with them in the in the things that are evil. One more thing a couple more things. One thing that's really offensive is this idea of forgiving. Turning the other cheek. I mean I I went to China. People in China that didn't know God or the Bible at all, they like, well, how can you how about this thing? Turn the other cheek? I don't get that. That's wrong. And uh, we'll find that resistance in the United States too. Okay? To turn the other cheek, it's a highly offensive teaching to those who hate Christ. And, uh, and the other thing is when you lead others out of darkness and unbelief into the kingdom, that is offensive to the unbelieving world around them. And we see that, that that's where a lot of the persecution happens. Right? Because, and we, we understand the underlying reason why. Uh, they don 't they don 't want their people to be taken into a different family into a different kingdom, and ultimately satan doesn 't want people taken from his family and brought back into god 's family and so there will be persecution when that happens. people will not be happy about that and we see that if you read about persecution or martyrs that 's where a lot of it happens okay so just remind just a reminder, Second Timothy three, twelve and thirteen, Paul says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there's a promise there, and Jesus said that too. He said, If they hate me, don't be surprised, they're gonna hate you too, if you're following me. Right? And so we we should but 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 our response is to love them because that's what Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right? That should give us pause to count the cost. But you know what? No matter. You know who approves of all those things? God. He highly approves. And one way that we know that is because we look back at this story and see what the Holy Spirit did. In the middle of Peter's short sermon, God interrupted him. The Holy Spirit came upon all the members of cornelius household and they all started speaking in tongues <laughs> nobody laid hands on them nobody prayed for them or anything so uh, we can't put in a box how god's going to baptize people with the holy spirit but in this case god wanted to make a point i'm sure that uh hey i approve of this and uh it said, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Hallelujah. And so, just to sum up, this is God's desire to draw people of all nations into one corporate body, one family. One kingdom headed by Jesus Christ and filled and empowered by his spirit to advance that kingdom throughout the whole earth and to all humanity. He's currently building us as living stones into one holy temple that truly does glorify him. He will be glorified, and he desires, he's so amazing, he desires to share that glory with us, his people. Why? Because we are his children and he dearly loves us. He dearly loves you. He dearly loves, if these represent the different people in the world, whatever race they are, whatever background they come from, whatever they look like or smell like, whatever they like to do or not do, he loves them dearly. And they're a part of his plan for the giant Lego set that he's building in the world so to speak amen let's pray Father we praise you we thank you for your goodness we thank you that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made Uh, Jesus we thank you for your blood that has set us all free from sin and death and uh, Lord we pray that you would bind us together in your love that our eyes would be fixed on you and that you would lead us in unity. Where we have differences, Lord, we pray that you would guide us into your best will. And we pray that we would all grow to be more like Jesus and that you are constantly working on us, shaping us, fitting us together into the positions and the purposes in the body of Christ into this holy temple that you want us to be in. And Lord, stir us up to bring your message to the nations and to the people around us that all who have been called like we have been called may be drawn in and built into your kingdom. Lord, empower us by your spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit, we pray. Pour out your spirit on us. Pour him out all around us uh, that we might be your witnesses, that your kingdom will advance. Lord, we yield ourselves to you to be part of your loving vessel lord we pray for those who are under persecution right now and we but we offer ourselves and we are not afraid to be persecuted for the gospel of jesus christ because it's the power of salvation for all people lord be glorified and help us to trust you we depend on you we love you let your love flow out from us Let your light shine brightly through us. In Jesus' name, amen.